Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us here in the Magic Kingdom are glad to have you with us on this special day. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. It's a beautiful day on Main Street, USA. You're now standing in Town Square, USA, in a typical American town at the turn of the last century. W Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 197 for the week of November 21st, 2010. This week, we'll slow down just a little more as we wander right down the middle of Main Street, USA. Because as I often do on the show, on the blog, and in my audio guides to Walt Disney World, I want to help introduce you to so many of the incredible details, stories, and hidden treasures that are the hallmark of the Disney parks. Jim Corcus joins me as we wander through Town Square and learn more about this wonderfully imagineered town from the turn of the century. With the Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend coming up in January, I'll talk about how you can be a part of the WDW Radio running team and help raise money for the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. I'll have a few more announcements and then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. As you can tell from the music behind me and the sounds, I am on Main Street USA in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And this morning, I got here as I often do, before rope drop and before the park opened, not just to take part in the early morning opening day celebration, but to just watch. And yes, as I often do, I shed a little tear because as the ropes dropped, people dashed through Town Square, down Main Street, often heading towards Fantasyland, Space Mountain, or Big Thunder on the other side. And why did I weep, you say? Not because I'm crazy, but because they have run by some of the wonderful details and stories that I try and point out on the show, on my CDs and books and Celebrations magazine. And I'm standing here in the middle of Town Square, which is replete 
with detail and story. And you're saying, well, no, Lou, there's a statue and there's a flagpole and City Hall, it's guest relations, and come on, let's just go ride the rides. But I beg to differ. And to help me share some of those incredible stories, and today we're going to spend just a little bit of time in nowhere else but Town Square, is none other than Disney historian, expert, author, philanthropist, all-around nice guy, your friend and mine, Mr. Jim Corcus. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Lou. It's always a pleasure to get together with you. And yes, you're absolutely right. This morning, guests were trampling us out of the way, and uh, a little bit of me cried as well, too, because there's so much detail here just in Town Square. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity today to share a couple of those stories so that in the future... Some of your listeners can uh, uh, come here and, and appreciate that and, and share that with their friends and family uh, uh, as well. Now, now, it, now it's interesting that you said uh, we're, we're standing here, um, uh, Main Street, USA. Uh, what makes this Main Street, USA? I, I, I don't see any uh, uh, neon sign. I'm, you know, I, I don't see any, you know, flashing things. And I, I don't see people looking at their maps to try and determine exactly where they are. What makes this Main Street USA? Well, everybody's saying, of course. Well, clearly, this is an early American Victorian town, and there's American flags everywhere. Well, yeah, we, we say that, of course. Actually, this comes, comes back to what John Hench, the Imagineer John Hench, would refer to as the language of vision. And uh, that is the term that he used when uh, preparing any of the, the Disney theme parks. And basically what that means is how all five of your senses are being manipulated to tell you that story. So uh, you've already mentioned, you know, what are we listening to? We're listening to turn of the century music, you know, even from Music Man, which isn't turn of the century, but it was staged at the turn of the century. So we're getting that. We're hearing the, the train bell. Uh, we're, uh, we're hearing all of those sounds. Um, what are we smelling? We're smelling the popcorn. We're smelling the, the bakery. And in terms of taste, we can go in and purchase, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of that. It, it, what are we feeling? Well, well, this is real Roth iron over here. This isn't, uh, you know, plastic or 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 some, this is this is real. And and what are we seeing? Why we're seeing buildings that look like it's turn of the century, and we're seeing uh, cast members dressed. So all five of our senses are telling us this is Main Street, USA. So we don't need a big flashing neon sign to tell us that because we're already part of that story. We're we're telling that, and you know. My gosh, that that's worked for, you know, over 50 years, for crying out loud, since, uh, you know, uh, Disneyland w was open. But it's also a very fragile story. You know, all that would take for this to, um, to crash and burn on us is if we were hearing a... Um, P. Diddy song or a Britney Spears, or suddenly it stops being Main Street USA uh, for that to happen. And and this is actually very specific. This is Main Street USA from 1890 to 1910. And Walt was very specific about that because if it was earlier than 1900, you would only have horse traffic. And if it was after 1900, then yes, you would have, you know, the motor cars and all this. So this is that transition period. So you can still have horses and you can have motorized vehicles. You can still have gas lighting. You can still have electric lighting. So it, it, it's that wonderful little uh, turn of uh, the century thing here. You know, and as we're standing here by the flagpole and looking down, 
you know, it always impresses me. I'm looking down this street and it's like, boy, that's a long haul, you know, to, 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 to do this. But, you know, at the end of the night when I'm really tired and, and, and I've got a little four-year-old nephew and sometimes he gets very cranky after a couple of hours here, as I'm heading back up, it seems like, well, this is very short. And I've heard all sorts of, of, of stories about, well, they, they magically slant the street and, they, 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 and, and actually it's very, very simple. Most people uh, took art courses uh, in uh, uh, school, even in elementary school, and learned about a vanishing point. They probably did that little exercise where you draw um, train tracks or uh, uh, telephone poles, and then they sort of converge into a point in the back. Now, as we look down from Main Street, our vanishing point is really not the end of the street because we can see the castle. The castle is raised and all that. And not only do we see the castle, we see the opening of the castle. So we're actually looking through that. So our vanishing point is so far down, this seems like a long haul. And the reason for that is because Walt and the Imagineers wanted people to take time to walk and get into the rhythm of the story and all of that. But then at the end of the day, when you've got to get to that monorail or whatever, you want it short. So if you're standing down at the end of the street, the vanishing point you're looking at is actually the flagpole in front of the train station. So it's like, oh, well, that's a short walk. I I can do that. Isn't all of this fascinating, Lou? Because you know that when we said we were going to be telling the story of Town Square... A lot of people said, I, I know that there's the, the statue there, and I know about the Tony's Town Square heart, and I know about Engine Company 71, and we haven't even touched, we haven't even <laughs> left here yet and told some of the stories that take place here. Oh, and, and by the way, Lou, are, are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Yeah, and, and in fact, you know, most people are right-handed. So that's why the park and Main Street is designed the way it is, because as you come into the park, What's the first thing you're going to need? Well, you might need a stroller or a wheelchair. That's why the stroller wheelchair were on the right-hand side. Um, oh, my gosh, you want to capture some magical memories, but you left your camera over in the oh, camera shop on the right. Oh, I'm going to get here, you know, even before the park opens because I've got... But, boy, I am so hungry. I didn't even get a chance to stop at McDonald's. Bakery on the right-hand side. Now, at the end of the day, when you're leaving... What is the one thing that you forgot to get for Uncle I got to get souvenirs. Got to get souvenirs. So the Emporium. My gosh, that's a, that's a long ride on the monorail or even getting out to your car and driving home. Before you go, you better go to... The, the bathroom. Rest, the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm, I was thinking popcorn, get popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll still need to go to the bathroom. It's on the right-hand side. And then, of course, you know, I had a wonderful day. I, I need to tell somebody or, uh, you know, I lost my goofy hat uh, on Pirates of the Caribbean. I've got to tell somebody. Guest relations on the right. So, again, it all just blends together. But, you know, we were talking about stories. One of my favorite stories is what we're looking at right now is, is the statue of... Uh, uh, Roy O. Disney uh, sitting on the bench with Minnie and sometimes it's very funny because I'll see guests come up here and they think it's Walt Disney or, or they don't even know who it is but they'll stick their kid up there and, and take a picture um, but this was a sculpture done by uh, Blaine Gibson very famous uh, Blaine of course did the original sculpts for uh, Mr. Lincoln for the World's Fair and for the Pirates of the, the Caribbean all of that he did the partner statue uh, in 1999 uh, uh, this was installed here, and, and I'm very grateful for that, too, because Roy O. Disney really kept on, uh, uh, you know, really kept on Walt's dream. And so Magic Kingdom really is as much Roy's as it is uh, 
uh, waltz. Although when Magic Kingdom uh, opened, um, you know, Roy spent most of the day out on the Seven Seas Lagoon. And I talked to the boat driver and I said, well, what's the story behind that? And he says, uh, today is my brother's day. I want them to remember my brother today. And when the... Um, because he was 73 when Walt passed away in 66, and so we're, we're talking, you know, another right. guy, you know, th- and so the reporter said, well, you're a grandfather now, why, why did you decide to work on this swamp here, for crying out loud, instead of spending time with your grandchildren, and he says, uh, I didn't want to have to explain to Walt when I saw him why the dream didn't come true. <laughs> so anyway, the bench is right here in the same location where um, Roy gave the dedication speech October 1971. And I had uh, the great pleasure of being here with Blaine Gibson when this was installed. And Blaine, of course, came to me and he said, Ah, Jim, you know, you love stories and you're always telling these stories. What's the story behind this? You know, and you hate being put on the spot, right? Um, But, you know, uh, I was full of myself, so I thought, wait a minute. I've seen pictures of the opening of uh, Walt Disney World. There's pictures of Roy sitting on the bench with his grandkids and also sitting with the characters. This must have been the inspiration. And so with a big smile on my face, I, I told Blaine that. Blaine goes, yeah, not looking close. Enough. So I'm squinting, I'm leaning in. My dad always used to say, it's okay to look like an idiot for five minutes if you're a hero for the rest of your life. So here's a story. For those of you who don't know the story and feel like an idiot for five minutes right now, here's the story so you can be a hero. If you take a look at Roy, Roy is sitting back in the bench. Now that's important because what it's telling you is that Roy was sitting there. Roy was sitting there first, and Minnie came to him. It's not the case of Minnie sitting there and a dirty old man comes up, or her boss comes up and says, "What are you doing sitting here instead of meeting the guests?" Roy was there first. Minnie came to him, and if you look how he's holding Minnie's hand, he's supporting it from underneath. So he's supporting Minnie just as he supported Walt's dreams. And I'm sitting here bawling. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jim, what's the matter with you? And so a wonderful, wonderful story. And again, one that most guests, you know, never see. Well, and because we, we look at it as it's a statue of just Roy and Minnie. And figure there's got to be certainly a story behind it. We assume that it was one thing. But everything is so, it, it, it so very well evidences the fact that everything here is so deliberate. And as we talk about some other things here, you're really going to see that. But even a simple statue, even the way they're looking at each other, the way he's holding her hand is done in such a way to convey a story and an emotion. And, and I love that his window is, you know, just right above him over there, you know, on the confectionery uh, shop looking down. I, I think uh, Roy doesn't get as much credit as, as he really should. You know, the, everybody always thinks of him as the money guy, and he wasn't. You know, he was very, very family uh, oriented, And when he came out here to Florida, they said, well, you know, we can take advantage of all these uh, people out here because they want a Disney world out here. And he says, nope, a good deal is a good deal for everyone. And if you know your values, it's always easy to make a decision. Great guy. You know, we've uh, been walking across the street over here, and here's the uh, mailbox. Oh, wait a minute. Boy, they've really let maintenance go, right? They need some WD-40 <laughs> over there, right? A true, now, we're standing in front of City Hall, uh, right by one of the lampposts, and there's an old-style U.S. mail thing, which probably to most guests, they walk right by and figure it's nothing more than simply a prop, as opposed to a turn-of-the-century mailbox that is a real U.S. postal mailbox. Exactly, and that's why we have that sound, because if you didn't, 
it wouldn't be a, a mailbox. And as you pointed out, this does not belong to Disney because by law, it can't. Because you can't put mail into something that doesn't belong to the United States Post Office. That's why even your home uh, uh, mailbox, nobody's supposed to be putting flyers or anything in there. Only U.S. Postal uh, uh, employees. And so these are authentic. When the park opened, this mailbox was actually from Bridgeport, Connecticut, which was very important. Because Bridgeport, Connecticut, of course, the home of P.T. Barnum and the circus. But it's, this one now is from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is good because Main Street USA here at the Magic Kingdom is actually the East Coast. You know, we can, we can see the train station in the back there. The train station is actually based on a turn-of-the-century train station in Saratoga Springs. Uh, Tony Baxter always used to say that Disneyland was an intimate experience, uh, but Walt Disney World was a spectacular experience. And so we're on the East Coast, so there's more of an East Coast theme. Now, the lampposts here, uh, real or fake? Real. Real fake. <laughs> and <laughs> what happened is when Disneyland was being built, uh, one of the designers was uh, Emil Curie. He also did the uh, design for the interior of the uh, Nautilus in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He did design work for... For Mary Poppins, Bedknobs, and Broomsticks, he found lampposts in Baltimore, Maryland, that were the exact right size. They they were well over a, a hundred years old at, at at that particular point. And he bought all of them, installed them at Disneyland, made copies of those, made molds of them for um, Walt Disney World here. And in fact, right next to it, this is what is this, Lou? It's one of the uh, the many hitching posts that you'll find down Main Street. Now, uh, correct me if you, I'm wrong, Lou, because I, I grew up out in, in California. I have never seen a horse hitched on Main Street at Disneyland, and I, I've only been out here 15 years. I've never seen a horse uh, hitched, so this is really useless, right? Well, I, in Jersey, we used to hitch up horses left and right down Main well, Street. Well, actually, remember, it's 1890 to 1910, so if we didn't have hitching posts, street would not look authentic. And this is another one of those real fake um, ones. Emil Curry was doing set design for a film called The Heiress, uh, which was uh, uh, filmed at a, a turn-of-the-century mansion. And the owner was so pleased that he had taken such good care of the house during filming that he gave him the authentic hitching post that was out front. And so uh, Emil Curry installed it outside his house in, in Costa Mesa, but he made molds of those for Disneyland and for Walt Disney World. So, uh, oh, and by the way, I, for, I forgot to ask, um, what day is it today, Lou? You know that any answer I give you is going to be wrong. So. <laughs> well, it, it actually is. We're, we're, we're out here on a, a rainy uh, uh, Friday, but that's not the day it is on, on Main Street uh, USA, and we can tell that. Our own eyes can tell that, because take a look at these people. These people wouldn't be here. It's 1890 to 1910. They'd be on the farm, or if it's on Sunday, they'd be in church. What are these kids? These kids would be in school or working on so the farm. So it, it must be Saturday, everyone's day off. Nope. Because Monday. It, it, in, in, Thursday. In, in, the, in the old days, you'd work six days a week for crying out loud. What's the matter with you, slacker? No, it, it's got to be a holiday. I wonder what holiday it is. Well, if I, if I look at the hanging baskets, I see that the hanging baskets on Main Street USA 
they all have flowers that are red, white, and blue. I notice an awful lot of flags up there. Um, they didn't celebrate President's Day back in those days. Gosh, I'll bet it's July 4th. And you know, since it's July 4th, they might even have a parade. And you know, if we're lucky, they might even have fireworks at night. And of course, when um, Main Street USA uh, opened in 1971, and for many years, they had uh, red, white, and blue bunting along the uh, uh, exterior of the um, uh, buildings as well, too. Uh, again, uh, obviously, they decided that's a maintenance problem, whatever. They had no understanding, no idea that this is July 4th. And again, that's part of the story that's being told. That's why people are out. That's why kids are out. That's why they're so excited. And you've got the red, white, and blue, and you've got all of that uh, celebration that's uh, uh, going to take place. Well, you know, we're almost out of time. Why don't we take a look at the car barn and the barbershop over here? Well, we're over at the car barn here, you know, and it, and it is fascinating. You know, of all the, the unofficial Disney websites that are out there, all the books, none of this gets, you know, uh, uh, put in print. You know, a lot of cast members don't know this stuff. Managers don't uh, know this stuff. And it's, it's very sorry that uh, I'm very sorry that all of these stories are, are, are disappearing and it's affecting choices that people are making. You know, uh, and again, people rush through. They don't go to the car barn, or if they do, it's because, well, we want to see the horses because the horses are going to get moved to Fort Wilderness by two each day. And they don't take a look over in this uh, uh, little cubby corner, you know, by the stall there, and you see this one lone light uh, hanging down. And it, it's a lot of fun to go and just press the light button and have that come on, and the light looks completely different. It's an Edison light bulb. And in fact, Disney pays this uh, gentleman in Virginia who hand makes these in the same way that Edison did. So they run about eight to ten bucks a, a piece. And of course, Disney is uh, energy efficient, so it's off unless a guest turns it on. And the light switch, there's two buttons. One button has a mother of pearl on top of that button. And I was always curious about that. You know, why, why would you need that? It's because if the power went off, you wouldn't know whether it was on or off, you would have to feel the button to feel which is the on button, which is the off button. Mother of Pearl would uh, uh, help uh, with that. You know, the horses we have here are the uh, uh, Percherons, which are the black and grays, and the Belgians, which are brown. Um, for over 25 years, there were no Clydesdales because they're very high maintenance and also the fact that they represented uh, Budweiser and Bush and SeaWorld and all of that. Now, on the wall, we see some um, uh, metal bricks, and boy, we could sure use those today, because what you would do at the turn of the century is you'd take those, you'd put them on the pot-bellied stove there, you'd heat it up, wrap it up in a cloth, and so when you went on a sleigh ride or whatever, you sat on it, put it in your lap, keep you nice and warm. And you know... Uh, we could spend a lot of time here, but we want to get to the uh, uh, barbershop. One last thing I want to point out is, as you come into the car barn, on the left-hand side up to the top, you see uh, a light structure there. Lighting is very important, especially on Main Street. So, Lou, is that uh, gas or electric? Well, there's multiple lights here, but if you're looking to the left, right over where they keep the bridles, 
it clearly must be a gas lamp. Absolutely, because if it was facing downwards, the gas would drop out, the smoke would drop out. So the gas, so again, remember, we're turning the century, so there'd still be some gas lighting. And then oftentimes they would adapt gas lighting into electric lighting by running in electrical cords through the, through the gas pipes. We're going to see that in the Emporium in, in the next segment that we're going to do. But let's get over to the barbershop right now. Even though there's a lot, I want people to come on their own and start to explore. And that's the thing about especially a place like the Car Barn is that guests, 99% of the guests will never make their way over here because there's nothing to see. There's no attraction. It's not a shop. Even the fire station people might walk into and see some of the details there. But the car barn, unless you say maybe they have an interest in the horses, no desire to look in and certainly wouldn't pick out details like that. Here at the Harmony Barbershop, the very much same is going to hold true for a lot of the authentic- authenticity and the details in here as well. Oh, and, and, you know, by the way, uh, the Disney horses are so smart, they tell us, ourself, tell us uh, you know, when they want to retire. And no, they don't talk like animated horses and you're looking at me like I'm crazy. When you see a horse uh, standing there on Main Street, what's the first thing you want to do? Pet it. And pet it where? Its head. Its head. And so if it's consistently turning its head away, then we know that it's had it with guests. <laughs> That's it. Don't want to deal with that uh, anymore. So yeah, the Harmony Barbershop, and again, you can get a great... Uh, you can get a great... Um, uh, a haircut uh, here, and of course, uh, for your child, the first haircut, and you get your own little Mickey Mouse ears. Now, Lou, uh, we went here a little earlier, and you were able to spot this. There are many authentic things in the barbershop. What is the one thing from a turn-of-the-century passenger train? If you look carefully as you enter on the right-hand side, there is a mirror hanging on the wall with hooks underneath, but if you look carefully, there's a shelf on top, which obviously would have been where they stored their luggage. Right, and the hooks were for the jackets and all that. Very, very good. Uh, as I said, there's some authentic things in here. One of the authentic things they removed, of course, was the uh, uh, cash register. You know, even the emporiums used to have the old-fashioned uh, uh, cash registers. The barbershop was the last holdout, but that no longer exists there. Uh, was that a guest satisfier or a guest dissatisfied? It was, it was certainly authentic. It, it certainly added to the entire feel of, of the barbershop, but I have to assume that guests would have had to have been dissatisfied for it to have been removed. Absolutely, because they'd come up with their room card, I want a haircut, here's my visa card. Couldn't do that. So uh, eventually that had to give way to progress. You know, in here they used to sell little white mugs too, and everybody thought, oh, well, those are shaving mugs. But if you bought one, you have one at home, take a look. And on the top of the cup, there's this uh, sort of little curved white uh, line. It's a mustache cup, so people could drink while they were they were there in the barber's chair, and it wouldn't get on the on the mustache. And they had both right-handed cups and left-handed uh, uh, cups. You know, and again, these are just some of the stories and some of the details just here in Town Square. And look how much time uh, we've spent. We could, have, we could have been on Splash Mountain by now. What's, what's this? So, Lou, thank you for letting me uh, uh, share some of these stories. I, I really appreciate it. Jim, thank you. And, you know, certainly, and like I said, we haven't even left sort of the west side of Town Square and gotten even to Main Street proper, and there's so much. And certainly there's more in City Hall. There's more in the Emporium. In so the many stories seat. to be told. Mm-hmm. For more from Jim Corcus, the only man who can tell these stories as he does with 
such passion, with such knowledge, <laughs> and to be able to recall stories that come directly from people like Blaine Gibson. You can read more of Jim's work. We are honored to have him as a regular contributor for the stories behind the stories in Celebrations Magazine. For a little more about Main Street 2, and unfortunately the, the tough thing about the audio guides that I put out is that I only have 80 minutes. I certainly can't get into such incredible detail, but for more, definitely check out the audio guide to Walt Disney World. And Jim, always a pleasure having you on the show. As for me as well. I'm looking forward to our next segment, Lou. Take care, and uh, all of those readers, we hope you've enjoyed the stories. The Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend coming up in just a couple of months. It runs between January 7th and 9th, 2011. I wanted to talk to you a little bit and answer some of your questions about the WDW Radio running team and our work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation through the Dream Team Project and how you can be a part of it. Let me first step back, take you back just a couple of years to 2007, where on the show, actually, I challenged myself to run in the 2008 Walt Disney World Half Marathon. I said at the time, and it still holds true today, I was not an athlete, certainly not a runner by any stretch of the imagination, but I did spend the time training for what would be an experience of a lifetime. And I continue to talk about how that experience in Walt Disney World was unlike anything I had ever done before. And along the way, after I had announced that I was going to be running and then talked about my experience At the half marathon, many of you wrote to me, friends, family, listeners, about your desire uh, to do the same. I said it, and it still holds true. If I can do it, believe me, you can run in the half marathon as well. A lot of you were like me, not athletes, but were running for the first time and, again, had that same type of experience. And even to this day, I continue to get emails from people who took up the challenge for themselves and decided to go and run in their first half or even full marathon in Walt Disney World and push your own limits and truly keep moving forward and make a difference, not only in your own lives, but in the lives of others. Uh, As you do fundraising for yourself, for your favorite charity, and a lot of people wanted to also help out our Dream Team project where we raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America so we can send children with life-threatening illnesses to Walt Disney World and share some of the magic that we all enjoy so very much. And a lot of you wrote to me over the years and said, hey, I see that you're running and I see there's a a bunch of people from WW Radio who are running. How do I join the team? More importantly, how can I help be a part of this and raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America? So I'm happy to announce a way for you if you want to be a part of the WDW Radio running team. And how you do it is very, very simple. In order to be a member of the team, we only ask you to do two things. First, for a cost of $35, that'll cover your membership materials, including your team shirt, which is a a tech shirt, one of the moisture-wicking shirts, a headband, membership certificate, as well as shipping costs. And two, to commit to fundraising for the Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend 
and pledge a minimum donation of $100 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America through the Dream Team Project page. Now, that $100 commitment can be for an individual. It could be for a couple, a family. It doesn't necessarily have to be for everybody. So if you're a fam- if you're a couple or a family of four, all you need to do is commit for the four of you to raise the $100 for the Dream Team Project. Again, if you're going to raise that by trying to get money from family and friends and businesses, you don't have to worry about doing that until after the marathon is over. And of course, if you want to get additional shirts for family members, whether they're runners or part of the WW Radio running team cheering squad, you can order those as well. We also are going to look into making some hoodies and some sweatshirts. For those of us who want to be part of the support team and cheer on the sidelines, you know it gets pretty cold in Florida in January. We're going to look into making those up as well. Of course, we'll have our annual team meetup on Marathon Weekend. And we're also going to create a WW Radio Running Team Facebook page where team members can share their training progress and their tips with one another. A lot of the people on their teams have run halves, fulls, even goofy challenges. Remember, none of us really are professionals We're all taking it one step at a time, just like you. Most importantly, together, we're going to be able to bring smiles to the faces of these children that really do need a dose of Disney magic by sponsoring their wishes through the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. To find out more, if you have any questions, I'll put a link in the show notes to a blog post over at WDWRadio.com. If you want to join the team as either a runner or supporter, if you're going to be down for Marathon Weekend, you're not looking to run, but want to be with us and help support not just the WW Radio team, but all of the athletes who are running in this year's marathon and half marathon, you can email Valerie over at Valerie at WDWRadio.com. Thanks again, as always, for your support and your help. And remember... If you have even thought about trying to take that first step towards running in the half marathon or the full marathon or even your first 5K, the toughest part is just committing yourself to doing it and taking that first step towards moving forward. And it's really true that if you can dream it, you really can do it. Hope to see you in January. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks, as always, to my friend, Jim Corcus. If you can hear more from Jim Corcus on past episodes of the show that you can find either in iTunes or the archives over at WDWRadio.com. Don't forget, Jim has a new book out called The Vault of Walt, where Jim shares the unofficial, unauthorized, and uncensored Disney stories never told before. There's a foreword by Diane Disney Miller. There's stories about Walt. Disney films, Disney theme parks, and so, so much more. I'll put a link in this week's show notes to where you can hear my interview with Jim about the Vault of Walt, as well as pick up a copy through Amazon or on Kindle. Don't forget that I always want you to be a big part of the show, so you can email me with questions at lou at wdwradio.com. You can leave a voicemail at, by calling toll-free 888-703-2171 and be on the air. You can email me at factorfiction at wdwradio.com with your name and phone number for a chance to play listener fact or fiction 
win some prizes. Of course, you can always connect with me through Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, FriendFeed, so, so much more. You can find those links as well as links to the podcast feed and so, so much more right on the homepage of www.radio.com. If you want to talk with other fans in a fun, friendly, safe environment, join the family, join the community by going and being a part of the WW Radio discussion forums. And while you're on the site, be sure and check out our daily blog posts, photos, new videos that I put out every week or so as well. So, so much more. And of course, while you're there, you can also shop in the WDW Radio store where you can pick up signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books and all five audio guides to Walt Disney World, which are available as instantly downloadable MP3 files, or you can get them on CD, buy all five, save on the five pack. You can also find a link to download the free WDW Radio iPhone app, as well as sign up for a free email newsletter which is filled with articles, trivia, history, stories, exclusive discounts, and more. I also want you to join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the new WDW Newscast. I announced this just a few weeks ago where I cover the Disney news in a new interactive video format. So you can join me at wdwnewscast.com and be a part of the broadcast and the discussion of the news real-time in the chat room. I'll be broadcasting and recording the video, so you can join me there to talk about the news as I'm discussing it. And if you can't make the live newscast, I record them and I upload to the WDW Radio channel over on YouTube that same night. So they're available for you at any time, and you can comment on the news there. We can continue the discussions even after the live broadcast. I'll put a link to the WDW newscast in this week's show notes at WDWRadio.com. Please also come by and visit DisneyMeets.com. There I'll post upcoming Disney events, including our Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World. I mentioned last week that December's Meet is going to be a little bit different, a little bit special. Because on December 5th at 3 p.m. over at Ariel's at Disney's Beach Club Resort, we're going to have a little celebration of the upcoming 200th show. We'll also be recording for the show as well. We'll have giveaways free food and snacks and refreshments really just a chance to say thank you to all you guys for your support and your friendship because without you i wouldn't have made it to show number two let alone 200 so i'd love for you to be there while we're recording the show make it a little bit of a party atmosphere as i said we've reserved space over at ariel's at the beach club sunday december 5th from 3 to 5 p.m doors will open around 3 15 or so uh if you can Please come by an RSVP over at the Facebook event page. I'll link to it in this week's show notes, or you can also find it by visiting facebook.com slash WDW Radio and clicking on the events tab there. January's Meet of the Month is going to be our annual meet during Marathon Weekend. Of course, I talked earlier in the show about the WDW Radio running team. You don't have to be part of the team to come to the meet. All of the WW Reads are open to everybody. This week, the marathon weekend will likely be Saturday. Uh, I'll give you the exact time and location, probably back in the Magic Kingdom again, as we always do. And again, I hope if you're thinking about running or just want to come out and cheer, you guys will come by and be a part of the, the running team. Really love to show all of our unity and support and the community and the family. More importantly, raise money to sponsor a wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. In February, of course, we're down to double digits. The WDW Radio crews aboard the Disney Dream. We still have available inside and outside cabins. You can find out more by visiting www.radiocruise.com. 
If you're coming, come by, discuss the cruise with other people in the forums, and you can pick up shirts and other logo gear by visiting cafepress.com slash Cruise. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, especially Mouse Fan Travel. Becky and her team are not only making the 200th show venue available for us, but certainly all their help in putting together what's going to be a truly special cruise aboard the Disney Dream. For a free, no-obligation quote for your Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney Vacation, visit mousefantravel.com. Also, you can visit All-Star Vacation Homes. If you're looking for a vacation home, off Disney property but still close by that has private pools, spas, kitchen, game rooms, multiple master bedrooms, and lots more. You can go and visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. If you're heading down to Walt Disney World this holiday season, make sure you put the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin on one of your must-dos because Santa Claus has named it his all-time favorite resort and has lots going on beginning the day after Thanksgiving. There'll be appearances by Santa and Mrs. Claus, Christmas tree lightings on select nights, storytelling, pastry decorating, holiday entertainment, elf tuck-ins, New Year's Eve party, lots, lots more. Even if you're not staying there, you can come by and go visit. For more information, you can visit santasfavoriteresort.com. With so much going on, I am sure that I am forgetting something, but I hope to see you guys either in the box during one of the newscasts, email me, see you on Facebook, in the forums, Maybe on the cruise, maybe at the meet of the month next month. And I'm actually going to get ready to announce another special event that we have coming up very, very soon. But as always, my friends, and I mean it when I say you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not. If you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. If you're on Twitter, share the link on Facebook. Please come by, review the show and or the iPhone app over on iTunes. Thank you guys so much this and every week for tuning in. I sincerely do appreciate it. So until next time, remember to take those first steps towards pursuing your passion and following your dream. And once you do, always, always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Kendall and Aaron Foreman, and we love your show. And we're at the Magic Kingdom this weekend at Mickey's Very Magic very merry christmas party and we just went through the winnie the pooh ride with the new queue it looks awesome it looks just like the hundred acre wood and the new honey screens are great the little kids love playing in the honey and i just encourage everybody to stop by and see how cool it looks and just thanks so much for everything you do at the show and celebrations magazine it's so much fun to get it every week and listen to it on the podcast and get the magazine and just thanks thanks for being a big fan bye-bye Hi, Lou. It's Darlene Yankee from Buffalo, New York. I'm getting really excited. We're at 99 days, under 100 now, until we go down WDW to meet up with you for the WDW radio cruise. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family, and I will talk to you real soon. Have a magical day. Bye. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lou. It's Felicia Burial. I absolutely love this week's episode. Thank you so much for um, hosting it. It was it was wonderful. Alan Menken, of course, The Little Mermaid. Where will we be without The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin? We'd still be in the kind of like the Snow White Pinocchio area time, but I, I'm so glad that um, uh, you got to interview him. Um, I, I'm just like uh, wondering... Uh, 
did you sing anything, Brimlow? I, I think he would have liked to hear you sing part of your world. Anyways, um, I hope everybody has a good week, and um, if the show gets posted before or after Thanksgiving, I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Okay, see you all later. Bye, and 103 days till the cruise. Hi, Lou, this is Ron from Kentucky. I'm uh, calling you and answering and responding to one of your questions uh, to, that you gave to Becky uh, during the uh, listener uh, questions and answer session in uh, last week's show. And the question was, if you could have an, uh, a souvenir for part of an extinct attraction, uh, anything from an extinct attraction, what would you have? And my answer is clearly I'd have the hot seat from the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It. The reason I would, for that is, number one, having tried out twice for the show itself, once in New York City and once in Nashville and not making it, and then getting to uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It in uh, NGM Studios one time and coming within one-tenth of a second of actually getting into that hot seat. Um, I, I never got back to it because, of course, it's now an extinct attraction. So that's what I would have. I'd love to have that in my living room or wherever, in my rumpus room or wherever. Anyway, having said that, as far as souvenirs is concerned, I just wanted to let you know I got a unique, I think a unique souvenir when I uh, went for my 50th birthday trip to Disney World in early September. When we were in the enchanted tiki room under new management, um, something must have happened. I don't know what, but something must have happened during the show to where when Yago came up or went down or or something during one of his entrances or exits, he lost some feathers, and there were feathers on the floor. And as I was leaving, I saw the feathers, and I thought, what a unique souvenir that is. And I thought maybe I might get stopped by a cast member if I picked one up and took it, but I took the chance, picked one up, put it in my uh, in my pocket, brought it home. I now have it in a uh, plastic case, and that's a unique souvenir from, from my Disney World uh, trip, at least to me, it's unique because Yago is one of my favorite characters. It may not be something that's all that common or something that's all that uncommon or rare, but it is a uh, it is a souvenir for me anyway. I know where that red feather came from. Uh, so that's my uh, comments and my uh, my addition to what uh, memorabilia I would like to have. One I have the Yago feather. The other one I'd like to have is the millionaire uh, the millionaire chair. So. I'll quit stumbling over my words. Tell you I love the show, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Mike Emil. Hey, uh, my family and I went to the Yacht Club, stayed at the Yacht Club back in July, and I'm listening to your new, your latest show, uh, show number 195, and you mentioned the Beach Club, uh, Beaches and Cream, and uh, we were very surprised when we went there that this is not a – counter service meal this was a table service meal credit to eat at beaches and cream and we didn't quite understand that because it did look like the same menu as tacos fields and some of the other places such as that and we're wondering uh why that that's considered a table service and not a counter service anyway uh just wondering uh what your thoughts on that might be thanks bye-bye 